From Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, this is The Legal Lounge. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of The Legal Lounge, where we've got some great content planned for you. If you haven't heard the shows in the first season yet, they're definitely worth checking out. You'll get an insight into many aspects of law in England and Wales, including divorce, mental capacity and claims for different kinds of injury. You can listen to these shows on your podcast app or by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, commercial property lawyers Susan Grazier and Laura Lucker talk through a scenario of someone taking their first commercial lease on a property, along with any pitfalls they may encounter. Hello, I'm Susan. Hi, I'm Laura. We're going to be talking to you about taking a commercial business lease. Uh, In this podcast, I'm going to take the role of a prospective client and Laura is going to advise me beautifully. (laughs) So I've just started a new business. Well, I've been working from home for a little while. I think like most people during coronavirus, I decided that perhaps a change was what I needed. And I've been working for the last couple of years from a shed in the garden. But my business is really growing and I think now is probably the time to take on commercial premises. But I'm really not sure what I should be looking for or what sort of pitfalls there might be for me. And I wondered if you could advise me. It's great that your business is taking off for a start. That's really good news. So are you thinking that you would like to lease a property to start off with? I am. I'm not sure what sort of length of term to take I've spoken to an agent and he suggested two options really one was three years and the other one was eight years but I'm not sure whether there are pros and cons of taking one or the other there's definitely some practical implications depending on the length of the lease so the the rule in uh, property law is if a lease is granted for more than seven years that it would need to be registered at the land registry. Um, if it's if it's less than that, then it isn't registrable at the land registry. From a business point of view, you might want to consider starting off with a shorter lease um, so you can get a feel for your business and how it works in that property. Once you've entered into a lease, you're tied in for the duration unless there's a break option in there or unless you negotiate the ability to sell that lease onto someone else. If you decide having found a property and spoken with the landlord or the landlord's agent that actually you might want a longer lease I think that you should consider speaking to them about having a right in there to come out of the lease sooner than the full term. And would that break just be for me to exercise or would the landlord be able to end the lease sooner as well? It depends what gets negotiated. So it's more common, I would say, to see a tenant only break option. But the landlord might try and say, well, if if you're going to have the right to end the lease, then I want to have similar rights as well. And that would be written into the document for you. Um, but it really depends what you're able to negotiate with the landlord. A break option certainly sounds like a good idea because I suppose at least I'd know after about a year or two years which way my business was going Uh, and if I thought I wanted to end the lease sooner that might be a good option for somebody starting a new business. The other thing that the agent said to me is how often I should pay the rent and he said something about quarter days but I don't know what they are. The most common things that we see in leases are either that you would pay the rent monthly, landlords are normally quite open to 
whichever day suits you in terms of paying um as long as you are paying on that date each month or quarterly um would be that you were paying the rent every three months and there are set days the quarter days fall in march june september and december if that was the way that you decided to go I think for a new business, for working out my cash flow, it might be better if I paid monthly, because then at least I won't have to worry. Um, I think paying every three months might be a little bit intimidating right for the beginning for a new business. Yeah, I would agree with that. The other thing that goes with the rent is that they've talked about rent reviews, and they've said that they probably will be upward only, and also that there are two options, that I can have indexed or open market rent reviews if you agree with the landlord that the rent will be reviewed the lease will set out um, the days or the dates on which the landlord can review the rent and that will depend partly on how long the lease is going to be so you might expect if you agree to a 10-year lease that the rent might be reviewed every three years or the landlord would have the option to review the rent every three years Upwards only is the market normal, really. So if your rent's reviewed and the market hasn't changed, then you wouldn't expect your rent to go down. It would either stay the same or increase. I don't think I've ever come across a landlord that's prepared to accept an upwards or downwards rent review. And then, yes, you're you're right. There's either the most common ones are reviewing it on a market basis. So the landlord or a surveyor if it gets to the point where a surveyor is involved would look at what the market rents are for the type of business and the type of property that you're in in the area and assess whether there has been an increase in the rent and whether they can ask you to pay a higher rent or if it's based on um, if it's an index review then that would um, increase in line with RPI the retail prices index and there'd be a formula for that for working out what the increase would be. The other thing that I was thinking about, because I'm going to be planning my budget, is whether I've got to insure the building. Now, it would be the landlord that insures the building. And that's something, again, that's covered in the lease. And there's various provisions in the lease which sets out the obligations that the landlord has in terms of insuring. But they would recover the cost of that insurance from you. If you're only leasing part of the building, then it would be normal that you would just pay a proportion of the cost of insuring the building and any other tenants, or if the rest of the building's empty, the landlord would cover the cost um, of the remainder of the building. I presume, though, that I've got to insure everything, my own contents and my own... Yes, that's, that's right. So anything that you own inside, you would insure under contents insurance but the actual structure of the building would be insured by the landlord. Do I have to repair the building? This again is something that's set out in in the lease so um, leases do try and cover every eventuality and that's repair obligations are um, included within the lease. There's different scenarios so you could just have an internal repairing lease which means that you're responsible for the interior of the property but the landlord uh, retains the obligation to repair the structure or you might have a full repairing lease where you would be responsible for everything. Depending on the type of building that you're letting 
there may be a service charge involved where if the landlord's providing services say for example there's a car park which isn't being granted to you in the lease but you have the right to park in there the landlord is maintaining that car park he would potentially look to um, charge you a service charge for carrying out those um, repairs lighting and things like that um, and if there's multiple tenants in the building then each tenant's lease would include provisions in there for them to contribute to the service charge it's really uh, useful that you've said about service charge because the building that I'm looking at has a shared entrance hall um, and shared car parking and there are some beautiful bits of garden outside as well so I suppose that's where the service charge comes in is for the the areas that I would share with the other tenants. Yes, exactly that. In terms of um, repairing again, could I take a photograph to say what the state of the building was when I moved in so that I wasn't then obliged to put it in any better repair or am I just under the obligation to repair it? Are you sure you've never let a property before? You're you're very um, you're very up on your on your stuff. <laughs> yes, um, we do um, we do see um, exactly that. So the formal term for it is a schedule of condition, where either you or an agent that you instructed to do so take um, photographs of the condition of the property. And this is something that you would negotiate with the landlord because it is limiting your repairing liability. Um, But if the landlord's agreeable to it, you would attach that schedule of condition to the lease and your repairing obligations would be limited so that you only had to keep the property in the repair as shown by the schedule of condition evidenced in the photographs. That would probably be really useful, wouldn't it? Because I suppose then I'm just obliged to put it in the same state and, and not yes. to have to put any any uh, repairs that weren't obvious to me, um, put those into repair right at the beginning. So I suppose the schedule of condition for me would be the best option. It would, yes. Whether it's the best option for a landlord is another matter, <laughs> but perhaps I'd need to negotiate that. So I want to use it, I think, to begin with, to make things. That's what I've been doing in my shared But there's a possibility that as the business grows that I might actually want to sell the pieces that I make from the building and maybe even teach other people to make things. Could all of that be covered by the lease? Definitely. um, If you know that the scope that you might potentially want to change um, what you're using the property for, then we can make sure that the use, the permitted use provisions in the lease are wide enough to allow you to do that. It may be that the landlord says, okay, I'm happy with that, but I want you to come to me for consent to allow that to happen. And my job as your solicitor would be to try and negotiate the wording so that it says that the landlord can't withhold consent or can't be unreasonable in withholding consent. Um, So that's definitely something that we can cover in the wording in the use provisions. I think that's probably a really good example of why it's sensible to get a solicitor to look over a lease rather than just signing things without anybody looking at it. Yes. I've heard somebody say though that there's something called a protected lease. I'm not sure what that is. 
you've probably heard about the Landlord and Tenant 1954 Act and um, what that is, that includes provisions that protect tenants. So if you have the benefit of that Act, you have a statutory right to renew your lease at the end of the lease term. So say you enter into a lease for five years, once you get to the end of that five years, you have a right to ask the landlord for a renewal lease. The landlord can only actually make you leave the property on certain grounds. So that puts you into a better position if you've got the benefit of those statutory protections. Because if your business is doing really well and you don't want to leave the property at the end of the five years, you have a statutory basis on which you can ask the landlord to remain there and for the landlord to grant you a renewal lease. Now, some landlords don't want tenants to have those protections and if it's the case that actually the landlord says categorically that they don't want you to have those protections then you would have to go through what we call a contracting out procedure before you enter into this first lease to say that you agree to not having those protections and if that was the case when you get to the end of your five-year lease say you wouldn't have any right to remain in the property once those five years are up you would need to vacate otherwise you would be trespassing on the landlord's property but I think from your point of view you want to have as much flexibility as possible so it's better for you as tenant to have those statutory rights and if you decide at the end of the five years that you don't want to stay there there's nothing making you stay there you can leave at that point once your lease comes to an end but having these statutory rights just gives you another option if actually your business is really successful and you decide, yes, I do want to remain here. So I suppose your advice really would differ whether you're acting for a landlord or a tenant then. So if you were acting for me as a tenant, you'd say have a protected lease or a lease that was protected by the 54 Act. But if you were acting for a landlord, you'd perhaps encourage a landlord to exclude the lease from the 54 Act. It would definitely differ if uh, if I was acting for a landlord. If I was to take a lease for a, a term of three years or eight years, what would happen if I wanted to sell my business? So if I didn't become a success and I didn't have a break option or the break time had passed, what would be my options? It's normal in leases to have provisions that cover this type of scenario. So we'd normally see um, assignments um, or subletting clauses in there. Um, So you may be able to assign the lease if you could find someone that was willing to take over the lease from you. It's normal to be allowed to do that, but the landlord needs to consent to it and the landlord can ask for references from the, the new the assignee, the incoming person, um, and you would need the landlord's consent for that. So that's an option. Again, it's also standard to see subletting provisions in there, subletting the whole of the property. So um, you would still ultimately um, retain liability under your lease, but you could then grant an under lease to a subtenant who would pay the rent to you, which you would then pay on to the landlord. Another option potentially is to just speak to the landlord and see if they'll accept a surrender of the lease. Some landlords are prepared to do that, but the first point is normally looking at your lease and seeing if you can find someone who's prepared to take the lease on for you and then getting the landlord to consent to that. So it would be useful to consider whether I could let 
sublet part of it um, what I was thinking is that if I had a couple of benches in there I might want somebody else to come in and be able to make things from the other bench um, and I'd want to charge them for that so I suppose what I'd do is pass on any funds that I received as payment to the landlord yeah that's definitely something that you should discuss with the landlord from the start that that's something that you might want to do so that we can make sure that the lease caters for that scenario when I bought a house I had to pay stamp duty do you pay stamp duty on leases with commercial property leases it would be stamp duty land tax that you would potentially have to pay but that will depend on the lease term and the rent that you're paying so it's something that we would look into once you've got terms agreed with the landlord and I'd be able to run the calculation for you to check whether there is um, an obligation for you to pay stamp duty land tax. That's brilliant at least I'll know um upfront how much I've got to pay before I even start and my last question then was because I'm a new business the landlord's agent that I've been speaking to said that they might ask for a rent deposit is that usual it is quite common yes something that I should have asked you at the beginning is whether you're actually planning on taking this lease as an individual or would you be setting up a company to take on um the lease that's something to consider we quite often see that um, if it's a new business or a new company that landlords would want either personal guarantees um, from you as an individual or a separate individual or a rent deposit and the standard for a rent deposit is normally either three or six months worth of the annual rent that then you would pay to the landlord at the beginning we'd have a separate document setting out um, what that entails called a rent deposit deed and um, say you didn't pay your rent during the lease term or there were repairs that you didn't carry out that the landlord carried out that rent deposit deed normally sets out that the landlord has the right to deduct money from that deposit to cover the cost of either the rent arrears or repair works and things like that and that is quite standard having talked to you that leases are really really tricky and they're not something that a person should enter into without taking proper legal advice and I'm really glad that I've come to see you today and that you've given me such good advice you've certainly given me a lot to think about thank you Laura you're welcome thanks to Susan and Laura for lending their expertise yet more proof that lawyers don't bite if you need legal help from either of them please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk that's lblaw.co.uk thank you for taking the time to listen if you found the conversations helpful please remember to follow review and share the episodes speak to you soon that was the legal lounge from Lanyon Bowdler solicitors Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.